Welcome to the snooze button. Hey, I'm Brittany of Brittany She and Sleep. I've got 99 problems, but my kid's sleeping isn't one. Hi, guys. Okay, we have a really exciting guest today. Um, this one, I, I'm the most excited about having Juliet on today because she's going to be talking about something that is maybe not relevant to most of us today, but it's something we need to be thinking about today because this is going to sneak up on us. And for those of you who have kindergarten age kids like I do, it comes at you fast and you realize like, I wish I had talked about these things before. So without further ado, Juliet, who is a seasoned tech entrepreneur, mom of three, um, currently building Moxies. So Moxies is combining the best elements of entertainment, gaming, and community, and is the next generation social social ecosystem, excuse me, powered by girls, creating a healthy, safe, and inclusive digital future. And when I talked about this on Instagram, I was like, so basically social media that we don't need to be scared of, which God bless you. So Juliet, welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yes. Um, I have like a million questions for you and a million things I want you to share with everyone. So I guess first, like this feels pretty niche to me and something I hadn't thought about until we spoke. Like what drew you to the tech field, but then specifically like building an app for girls? Totally. Um, and also apologies for my voice in advance, you know, three kids getting all their viruses, winter season. So I'm oh, yeah. a little like nasally raspy, might cough <laughs> a few times, you know, we're all in it. It's fine. We're um, all in it together. Yeah, exactly. Everyone's sick. Um, yeah. So basically as this is, this has been something that I've been doing for a very large portion of my life, which is kind of crazy now when I think about it. Um, I started, I previously started a media brand as a hobby when I was in high school called Miss Owen Friends, um, which was really the goal was to create this safe place online for girls. It was actually for my sister and her friends to help them through middle school. Started off with a website, um, then we grew it into one of the top girls websites globally, ranking number three under Teen Vogue and 17. We then, um, we actually had received investment from Procter & Gamble, we then were one of the first or the first girls series that was funded by YouTube Originals, hosted on Disney, always really focused on mission-driven content, empowering content for the tween demographic. So how can we actually like look at media and look at whether it's internet or websites, apps, TV shows, and how can we actually drive an impact? Because obviously we see so much of the negative stuff in terms of how our media you know, affects us as adults, but obviously like the younger generations as well. Um, and there is such a positive way that we can leverage these types of platforms. So it's been a space that I have, you know, now been in for over 15 years and really have been living and breathing the tween girl demo and really thinking about how can we build these really digitally native properties for them that are um, building confidence, building self-esteem, working to really empower this you know, next generation of girls. And Moxie's is, is kind of this next phase of all of it. Wow. I don't think I've met anyone that started their career like that they are currently doing in high school. That's incredible. Like, and that's, I mean, when you're in high school, you're still kind of in it, right? Even if you were building it for your younger sister, like you're still in that world um, of being a teen. So has that so now that you have kids because you have two daughters and a son right mm -hmm. so has that changed your perspective on any of this or maybe just making you even more invigorated to work on it 
Yeah, for sure more invigorated, right? This was always something personal for me. I was trying to do something to help my sister and her friends. Of course, like I was so thick in it in middle and high school dealing with all of the stuff. Um, and, you know, now I have I have two girls and I have a boy. And now I'm like, okay, well, now this is even more personal because now these are my own children. Um, and it's, yeah, it's sometimes I still feel like a tween. <laughs> I still feel like I like, think like a tween. And even though I have three kids. Um, so because I'm like working with these girls all the time, I feel very connected to that demo. And I see how, you know, things were when, you know, when we were growing up where it was like AIM and like chat rooms and instant message profiles and how like what that led to. And I just like constantly think about what our media and tech landscape looks like now and putting myself back in the shoes of being 12 years old and knowing how I felt in so many of those situations. I just, I just, you know, even though I see it from these girls, it's really hard to fathom for yourself. Totally. And like when we talked earlier, like you made the point, you know, that we're in some ways as millennials, we're kind of like nostalgic to the days when the craziest social media was, was like dial up at your friend's like living room, the one computer where you could like chat with, you know, and like there was no Snapchat, there was no, you know, and I see kids now like out places and like everyone's on their phones and they're like nine and it's like so depressing. So like knowing that that's where we as parents are all coming from, like what are some of the mistakes you feel like parents make around social media? Um, and like, what should we be doing differently, especially for those of us? Cause a lot of people that are going to be listening have, you know, young elementary school and toddlers and stuff. Yeah. I mean, and I think too, probably the majority of the people that are listening are aware, right. And like, we're thinking about it and we're worried about it and we're concerned about it. That's probably why you're listening to this episode. Um, there yeah. is the other half that is, doesn't care and turns a total blind eye. Like I was talking to a parent the other day, he's a tech founder and we were talking and he has an 11 year old daughter. And he's like, yeah, I don't really want to know what she's doing on her phone. And I was like, I said to him, I was like, maybe you should ask her. He's like, I, yeah, I, I probably should. I was like, yeah, you probably should. So I think that was actually, that's kind oh of like gosh. my first point. I know I was shocked. Um, it was really crazy actually. Um, but I, I think that first point is that communication part with your kids. Um, it's kind of like when, you know, you know, I also know from personal experience, like when you're not supposed to do something and then, you know, you want to do it even more, um, or then you do something that you weren't supposed to do and then you're really afraid. And so then you're not going to go tell a parent about what you just did because you don't want to get in trouble. And I think that's where like the cycle of what ends up happening to a lot of kids on social media can get really dangerous. Um, I mean, we can talk about ages and we can talk about like what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. But I think the biggest part is that conversation piece and like really being able to have that open dialogue with your kid, regardless of what age that they are. Um, Like, what are you doing? How can I like, I'm here for you. Like, you know what? Like, yeah, maybe I don't want you doing this, but just know if something bad happens, please come to me because there are things that will happen to, you know, kids on social media that are truly traumatizing, whether they see something or something is DM to them that is inappropriate or, I mean, the list goes on, especially like when we look at, we look at TikTok and we look at Instagram, for example, there have been like multiple studies that have been run that people will set up 
the people who are running these studies set up accounts as a 13 year old girl. And they're just going on. They're not typing in anything that like is seemingly bad or seemingly inappropriate. In less than five minutes of being on those platforms, they are fed content around eating disorders and self-harm, like legit content around it. And that's within five minutes. So you being a, you know, a, a 11 year old girl, right? We know kids lie about their ages to get on these platforms, seeing something that is like really jarring or really upsetting to you and not knowing how to process it and not knowing how, like what to do, but then being so afraid to go tell your, you know, your parent, mom, I saw this, dad, I saw this. I'm really like upset by it because telling them is going to get you in trouble. That's where a lot of the problems start. Totally. And I'm really glad you brought up like having the conversations before, because I've started doing this with, and my daughter's only two, so not her yet, but my six and four-year-old, I've been talking to them a lot about strange behavior, not stranger danger, but you know, I'm yeah. giving them examples like an adult would never tell you to keep a secret from me. That's different from a surprise for dad's birthday. Like just talking to them. So they will say that strange behavior. My son said that there was a homeless man walking around our neighborhood and he said, mom, I see strange behavior. And it was yeah. like, okay, he's getting it. So I haven't done it with social media, but it's, it's along the same lines, right? As you're just sort of like, like indoctrinating isn't the right word, but like, sure. yeah, kind of like that we are safe. Like, here's what's normal. Here's what's not. And you can come to us. Someone yeah. ever does this or see things like this. Um, yeah, that's so interesting. So um, you you had mentioned talking about ages. I think that's a great place to start. Like from yeah. your professional opinion, what are kind of like the ages to sort of start introducing social media things and like the restrictions parents should put in place, et cetera? Yeah. So, I mean, I do think, you know, it does become a very personal parent choice. This is something that like my friends are always asking me too. They're like, oh, like, because you do this, like, when are your kids getting a phone or when are they getting social media? Um, and like, honestly, right now, I don't have an answer. Like, I don't, I don't know exactly like when they're going to be getting a phone or when they're going to be on social media. What I know is when those things do happen is, okay, what, Am I allowing them to access? What, how are they playing? What, how are they connecting? How are they communicating? What is, what is the purpose of this? Um, and I think a lot of parents, I know we kind of talked about this and then actually I was talking to this other woman the other day. She's like, Oh, you mean I shouldn't just be like, Oh, nope, my son's not getting a phone until he goes to college. And I was like, I was like, I don't know if that's going to solve the problem. Um, so I, I totally, I totally get it and I totally understand, but I think it really goes to what are they doing on those things? What is the value that is added for them by participating? And so finding whether it's those games or content that, that is appropriate for them to watch or things that are stimulating that are age appropriate. I mean, there's so many different types of resources where you can really find that age appropriate content. Like, I'm sure you know Common Sense Media, but Common Sense Media is like a really great resource to be able to always like double check whether it's a game, an app, TV, movie, whatever it might be for whatever age of your kids. But I really think it comes down to what are they doing on there? And then what are the permissions that are also like enabled mm -hmm. there? Um, you know, some kids are watching like normal YouTube, right? If your kid's under 13, they should be watching YouTube kids. That's not foolproof, right? There's still something that could happen there. I think that's the biggest thing of just being like aware parents. And that's where that communication becomes really important of if your kid is doing something. I love that concept of that strange behavior, um, because if your kid is doing something or they see something, you're like, hmm, this doesn't 
feel like what we talked about, or this doesn't make me feel good, then they're going to come to you. Um, So, you know, always ensuring that like that open chat is off, right? Like Roblox is a huge platform that has so many kids. 80% of Roblox's users are under the age of 16 and 30% of them are between the ages of nine and 12, 30% of their users. And actually it's almost a fairly split male, female, 44% of Roblox's users are girls. Um, And so there are a ton of young kids on that platform and they're going on there because they want to build games and they want to play and they want to make avatars and they want to do all of this stuff. But there's also free and open chat. And like there have been a lot of instances there where you you know, you see you see what gets played out. So really ensuring that those like parental permissions are on um, if you don't want your kid to be able to chat or if you are letting them chat because they're 14 having those conversations. Again, it really goes back to that conversation component. You know, I don't believe that TikTok or Instagram are appropriate for anybody under 13. I, they're not appropriate for some adults too. Um, so I just think like, I always think about sometimes how I feel after being on those apps for a while, like how it personally makes me feel. And then think about like a molding mind of a young kid who has no clue who they are, trying to figure themselves out, trying to fit in with their peers. And then they're being fed all this stuff. It blows my mind. Oh my gosh. I mean, I was thinking about that last night and I was just, I wasn't doing anything bad. I was like on Amazon Christmas, whatever. I ended up on Instagram and I went to bed too late. And I was thinking the mix of feeling legitimately addicted, like mm-hmm. you you don't realize that time is passing, right? So you look yeah. up and you're like, oh my God, it's 1130 at night. Like, what am I doing? Or the same thing. You just have a bad feeling. You see something, either if it's like stuff in the news that's really sad or something like in your own social world or a comparison with work things. It's like you have a bad feeling. And I'm like an evolved woman in her late 30s who has like good self-confidence. And I still get in those places. And then you think about, like you said, like a a 12 or 13 year old. It's like, oh my God, I can't, you know, there has to be a better way. Exactly. So I think like that, that is like kind of what to me is the most jarring with it is to your point, you know, I'm a grown woman who has like three kids, has like a loving husband, like has all this stuff and I can get into these patterns on there. And I'm like, what is happening? Like, this is insane. Um, So yeah, again, I think it's, yeah, of course, then there's like setting limits on social and games and stuff. Um, You know, a lot of uh, people will also make the suggestion to have, I feel like this is so old school to have the computer or the tablet like in your kitchen or in your family room or in a place like where you also are, which was something I grew up with, right? Like I wasn't allowed to have a computer or TV in my room. Now everybody has a phone or has an iPad, right? And so like when they're kind of engaging in those types of whether it's social or gaming behaviors in a space that is public, because again, it's that private, it's like behind closed doors. Um, You know, again, talking with a lot of parents, some parents will take their phone, take their kids' phones or tablets out of their room at night. Not only oh, so they're not on them, you know, like super late, but it's also, uh, or sorry, not on them because like, of the content that they don't know they're consuming in private, but also because they're really disruptive to sleep. And like it's about, again, those yeah. dark patterned persuasive design features that make those platforms so addicting and the need to go back and go back. So um, I think, again, like the biggest thing is deciding what is the the purpose of these kind of games, social platforms, 
for your kid? What value could it be adding? Because I do think there is value to them. I think the problem is that a lot of these current social and gaming platforms were not actually built for kids and they weren't built with their best interests in mind and they were not built for, you know, the, the developing brain of a tween or a young kid and they end up being the largest users of them and that's what starts to lead to the detrimental effects that we're seeing. Yeah, and you know what the interesting thing is, I feel like for parents who have teens now, it's really hard for like the Gen X who like you know, they never had Facebook in college, whatever. It's kind of like a whole new world. But for yeah. us, it really needs, from my perspective, almost needs to be like how we treat, you know, food or something. It's like you have to teach your kids what healthy food options are and you have to present them with those first, right? You wouldn't just let your kid eat whatever they want yeah. all day, every day and get, let them have like some beer, right? Yeah. So it's it's the same with this. Like you shouldn't just be like, well, they can do whatever, right? We have to like them and train them. Right. Um, and like assuming that they can figure it out. And I do think, you know, being like the, you know, the gen, the, like I'm, I'm a millennial mom. Right. And so like being like a millennial mom, I think is interesting because what we are seeing also with, so gen Z, right. So sorry, there's gen Z, but then there's gen alpha. And so Gen Alpha is really like this demo that we're talking about. So Gen Alphas are kids that are born 2010 or later. Um, and really like what Gen Alpha is being positioned as, as this really digitally discerning generation. And that word like mm -hmm. discernment to me, I find so interesting and I'm so excited about it. But I do think there is an influence of the older generation parents who have been force fed so much content, so many social platforms where we really I personally don't feel like I have really any control over like what I consume or what is being like forced on me. Yeah. And they're being like, no, stop. We don't want that. We want to have choice. And they are being educated about, you know, things that are like online safety and information sharing and, and all of that, because they are the most digitally native generation to date, right? 2010 is the year that the iPhone came out. So this is like all that they've known is digital. Um, but they yeah. are actually going to be like really discerning and resilient, which gives me hope in the sense of them really being able to be thinking about the different types of choices that they are making in the content and the social platforms that they're consuming and really have this, um, like co-creation element to it where it's not just this passive experience anymore. And that's where I think things will really start to shift, still going to take time. Um, and I do think that's where it's not necessarily like, yes regulation for sure plays a role in online child safety, but I think it also comes down to companies and how tech companies continue to adapt and change or build, build new platforms. Because at the end of the day, they're the ones that built it and uh, they're the ones that uh, need to be responsible for what happens. Totally. And I mean, it's so interesting because if you go back to the food analogy, that's like... Yeah. The same thing, right? Like exactly. parents, parents were like drinking martinis and smoking cigarettes while they were pregnant. I know yeah. a lot of like my parents were a little bit more health conscious, but I have a lot of friends who were like, yeah, I would have like sun kissed and lucky charms for breakfast every day. <laughs> right. And like now we're at the place where like, you know, even, but the companies are following suit right now. There's like all these like organic grocery stores yeah. and like you can, it's, it's much easier 
in certain privileged spaces to like make the healthy choice and people like want to do that. Mm -hmm. And it's probably going to be the same thing. And that just gives me hearing you say that gives me so much hope because the way you see things now on like TikTok and Snapchat and all this stuff, it just, it scares you. Um, So you're fixing it though. So tell us about Moxie's. What's, what is, what is Moxie's everything? Yeah. Um, Yeah. So kind of, as you intro in the beginning, Moxie's is really this, you know, like next generation social ecosystem that's really powered by girls. So it's this place where they can build, where they can play, where they can create, where they can connect, uh, where they can earn, but they can do so in a way that is healthy and that is safe and that is inclusive. And so much for us is really how can we continue to make the internet this healthy, safe um, place where both parents and their girls can feel confident. Um, so what Moxie's is doing is taking a lot of those similar play patterns and social patterns that we know they want to, that, that they want to be part of and that do provide real value, right? That sense of belonging, that sense of being validated, of not feeling alone in your, like, whatever it might be that you're going through, that real sense of connection, um, and building it out with Moxie's. And I think, you know, for us too, what is also really interesting about Gen Alpha, and it's a stat that like just constantly blows my mind or just, you know, like a fact that blows my mind. And I don't necessarily like love it, but this is the reality, right? I think so much of it is like, this is the reality. And there's a lot that we can do to make it better, but just like sitting back and be like, no, we don't like it. We don't want them to do it is not going to change anything. Um, but their digital lives are just as important as their in real life lives. And so how can we actually provide real meaning and value in what they're doing digitally beyond just what they're doing digitally? How can we connect that digital and that in real life and really build them up as people and really set them up for success? So that's my goal is let's set this next generation of girls up for success by, you know, leveraging new technologies to build out platforms for them that were actually built with them and for them with their best intentions in mind, um, you know, to really thrive digitally and in real life. I love that. Yeah. Like finding a way to connect the two, because part of it isn't even to your point about like them staying up late at night. It's not even just about the, the content being negative. It's just, you don't want your like 12 year old, like, you know, you want them to be like riding bikes and like hanging out. You don't want them just to be on their phone all day. Yeah. And I think like, you know, the the pandemic obviously like accelerated so much of the technology element of the virtual component to it. Um, And we can't go back. Right. We can't change that. And, you know, even when I talk to so many parents whose kids are in elementary and middle school, they're like, yeah, we told him he can't have an iPad or we told her she can't have an iPhone, but they do their work at school on iPads. Like they have yeah. to be on these devices. They have to like what I've had in my son's kindergarten class. Like he yeah. doesn't have an iPad at home and that they, they, he has, and we, we only use it on airplanes. He doesn't know it's an option at home, but at right. school he has one every day. I think exactly. I didn't even know that. I just figured that somebody else told me and I was like, really? Yeah. Okay. And so it's just part of their lives. And I think being able for them to, and, and there of course are benefits to that, right? There, it, there are so many benefits about being able to connect in a, much more efficient way in so many, like for people all around the world, right. To be able to connect. Um, But yes, it goes back to, okay, how is this actually healthy and safe for them? And for us with Moxie's, our biggest things are that healthy and that safe component. 
um, really ensuring that we are focusing on those healthy digital behaviors, avoiding those, I, I used the phrase before, I don't know if everyone's familiar with it, but those dark patterned persuasive design features. So those dark patterned persuasive design features are what makes all of our current social apps so addicting. They were like very thoughtfully created. It wasn't just like, oh, why is this addicting? Why can't I get off of this? If you, if any, Google dark pattern persuasive design features and you will get a ton of stuff on it. Like the person who created the like button, the reshare button, the views, you know, the notifications, the suggested content. That's all part of dark pattern persuasive design features. And so, uh, the rewards, the surprise rewards, like that type of gamification. So with Moxie's like, yeah, we want our users to be on our platform and we want them to be engaged, but we want it to be thoughtful. Um, so it's a lot of, you know, when we think about, okay, that doom scrolling, right? When you're just like constantly never ending scrolling and like sometimes you just like can't stop yourself. You're like, oh, I just got to keep going. Yeah. It's like, okay, how can we stop them? How can we stop them and redirect them into something positive, whether it's on our platform or not? Um, so it's really about building that authentic connection community um, and empowering them with whatever they are doing digitally, they are also getting rewarded for. And I think that's something too that you know I don't personally see on how I interact on social platforms. Like right now, I'm on Instagram way later than I should be, and the amount of stuff that I'm buying from those targeted ads is so ridiculous. I'm like, okay, like I just like I'm in that phase where I'm like, I, oh, that looks great for my husband. That'd be great stocking stuffer. Somebody need I need this. Like I need to body, get my hair that like root brush, whatever. Um, yes. Yeah, I bought a baby carrier, like a. <laughs> like a, a wrap. My daughter's two. Cause I got this ad like 50 times of this woman putting a crying two-year-old in it. And I was like, Oh, that is kind of a good idea. Like maybe if she needs like help regulating, I got it. I tried to, it cost like $50. I put her in it and she screamed bloody murder and like, hated it. And I was like, this is not perfect example. Yes. You just, right. you just and you're, so, like, you're spending money on that, but Yes. Sometimes. Yes. You're getting the product, right? So whether the product is good or it's not like you don't really know, but that's it, right? It ends there. You're not like being rewarded from those brands that you're participating in. Like you are not. And I think, and that's really how, when we go back to this gen alpha of them wanting to co-create, participate, that personalization, how they're really going to be shaping the way that trends and culture and really media and technology, how that evolves it's having them be part of that process and rewarding them for being part of that process. And so that's where our whole kind of like token ecosystem and Moxie's comes in, but um, not just being like, play, 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 yeah. play, 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 right? Like, it's like, no, no, no. Role isn't addiction. It's not like Correct. Dungeons and Dragons or like, I don't know the things. Role, what do you said? Roblox? Roblox, like, yeah. It's, yes. The yeah, goal is like, not addiction. The goal is like, thoughtful participation. Um, and so I think, um, you know, that's how we are really working to kind of redefine what a successful brand partnership looks like and looking at different types of KPIs, like looking at things like real brand loyalty and love and advocacy and how like, by feeling like you're part of something that you really care about, what that can also do to you from a benefit perspective. Um, so it's definitely like a, 360 approach, looking at, you know, the entertainment piece, the gaming piece and the community piece. Um, and yeah, I'm excited yeah. about it. I'm that. curious about the community piece because that, that to me in some ways is like the scariest from a content perspective. Yeah. So how are you guys 
and I'm, I know it's like you're in the middle of doing it now, so I'm yeah. not trying to put you on the spot, but like, what are you guys thinking about in terms of like preventing creepy Bob from down the street from like getting on there and, and talking to girls? Totally. So we have a whole, you know, we look at our differentiation of safety in two buckets. So the first is like the actual physical safety measures. And then the second part is more of what I was just talking about, which are those like healthy digital behaviors. So when we right. look at like the actual safety measures, there's a lot of ways that we're doing this. So it's, and it starts from sign up. Um, and so like right now, like we are in the process of kind of building all of this. So, you know, things may change and, but like, this is kind of like the basic principles. These are like the basic principles of how we are thinking about this. So COPA GDPR compliant from a registration process. That's obviously like a no brainer. We've been dealing with COPA and GDPR for a long time. So like we are very familiar with the rules and regulations around that, but like we are taking it steps way further than just being like, oh, we're COPA and GDPR. So when you sign up for Moxies, we're actually right now exploring technology from a biometric age verification to not save the biometrics, to not save the data, but to actually ensure that that user who's signing up is actually young and is actually who they are saying they are. So you see a lot of biometric age verification to ensure that someone's over 18, right? To get into like right. gambling sites or like whatever, other like bad things, yeah. usually like for bad things. Um, so yeah. we're trying to like rethink about how that technology can actually be used to make sure that this is a safe space for those users. Um, and so there will be like, there will be the parental component as well, especially for any users that are under the age of, 13. We might even go as high as 16. Who knows? Like we're, we'll see how, how yeah. it kind of goes. Um, but that biometric component to really ensure the young age of the user. So we're not getting, you know, 55 year old Joe pretending right. to make a username and saying he's thir he's 13 and getting on there. Even we just don't want him on there. But then the next part right. of it too is like, um, the actual content itself. And so, we have a database um, uh, from my previous company that we will be able to use those types of like what's been appropriate, the conversations to actually be able to train the AI from a moderation perspective. So really ensuring that ah. the conversations are appropriate, looking obviously for bullying and hate language and hate speech and like really all of, you know, the obvious things, but going, being able to go a step further and looking for a lot of nuanced things. So there will be that component of both AI and then also human moderation. So there will always be still a very dedicated human moderation team. Um, and then kind of the other, the other kind of big component to it is that it's all avatar based. And so users are not going to be uploading pictures of themselves. They're not going to be uploading videos yeah. of themselves. Digital avatars are such a big thing for, I mean, for Gen Z, but even more so for Gen Alpha. And they want to match yep. their avatars. Like they are extensions of themselves. And so when a user signs up for Moxies, they will be able to build their own avatar, which will be, have thousands of different diverse and inclusive traits. And so, you know, for different body types and skin types and hair types, that's obvious, but it's taking it a step further as well and bringing in a lot of features that are not typically seen in media or avatars. So acne and braces and gap teeth and pimple patches and upper lip peach fuzz and unibrows and all of these things that are so unique to being a girl um, and that every mm -hmm. single girl has one of these things that some like 
you know, chop notch haircut, whatever it might be. And those avatars are really what are going to be the um, basis of any of the um, imagery or the video content as it continues to evolve. So we're also really ensuring that protection and its usernames. Um, Right now we're kind of toying with, will we enable users to like create their own username that still gets moderated to make sure that's safe? Or um, will it be kind of like, you know, series of different auto-generated type combinations. And, you know, that's where we're really building with our kind of beta group. Like we're building with par- other parents and girls and asking them like what they want to see. And that's what so much of the basis of Moxie's is, is working with, you know, the community that we've already built up to really help to inform how we continue to build out the platform. I love that. I love the avatar thing because it's both, safer for the girls inherently like you don't have to worry about like selfies and looking cute and whatever but it also makes it frankly less appealing to some creep right totally. like, yeah you're not gonna there's gonna be no way to get a creepy uh, a picture of of a right. real person um right. and so and again understanding how gen alpha really cares about their avatars and how you know 50% of them want to match what their avatar has in a game they want that in real life and how you know phenomenon of that um we know that they love those types of play patterns and so it's really kind of some merch down the road yeah every year like a -A build-a-bear yeah that would be so cute that would be so cute yeah right Mm -hmm. um okay what else do we need to know because i i don't want to take too much of your time but what else do parents need to know both either about what's coming with moxie first of all but then Anything I haven't touched on with digital safety, which yeah. w- with preparing kids for this experience, because it's coming, whether we want it or not, um, that you want us to know? Yeah. Um, so I think kind of from like the digital safety component, I really just want to emphasize the communication, just like being open to the communication component early. I think putting bans and restrictions that are really heavy and hard tend to go the opposite and have the opposite effect. and end up being in many cases more harmful than positive. Um, you know, I've heard of successes where like a whole group of the, like every parent in the school has committed to not letting their kids have a phone or having social media until they're 13. And those, that's really impactful because the peers don't, they don't know what they're missing, right? If all of their, if nobody has it, then they're like, okay, nobody has it. Nobody's doing these things. No one's having these conversations, but there is a whole kind of another world when you don't when your kid is the only one who doesn't have and who is left out because it it does lead to real feelings of not being included um and that's a whole nother thing so if that's the path that you're going to choose be prepared to have those conversations with your kid and be prepared to like figure out ways to um help mediate that i don't have the answers to that but i think like that is that is a, a way that they will very much, if everyone around them has something and they don't, becomes challenging. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I completely agree. Um, um, and yeah, and then what's your plan for, yeah. like, what's the next step for Moxie? How can people find you guys? I mean, I'm definitely, so you guys listening, I'm going to put the website in the show notes. You sign up for the wait list, which is probably the most important thing, right? So if you want to get in, yeah. you'll know everything that's going to be coming. Um, yeah. But yeah, like what what's next for you guys? Yeah, so sign up for the waitlist. That would be amazing. We're really looking to 
um, kind of build that out uh, to show investors, you know, the commitment from other parents that are excited about this. So, you know, sharing it with anyone in your community is so, so helpful. Um, right now, we are in the fundraising process. So we are ready to kind of hit the ground running um, once that closes and build out Moxie's. We'll be able to get it to market in like four months. So, you know, the goal is spring of 2024 to have the platform out. We are also always looking for you know, parents, tweens, teachers, kind of to be part of that beta group that I was, um, you know, met, uh, talking about to really help um, inform how we're building this. So, you know, anyone who is interested in joining that, it's very minimal time commitment. Um, we're just kind of asking questions right now. Um, I would love, you know, feel free to reach out to me or any like any of the Moxie socials and I check all of those. Um, and yeah, I'd, I'd love to connect with you. So yeah, right now it's just being able to share with, you know, parents and schools and tweens about what we're building and um, how we can make it the best for them. I love that. You're actually making me think I'm going to send this episode once it's live to our school principal, because I do feel like there's digital conversations all the time. And teachers, I don't know if you've heard of Class Dojo, but it's an app that my son has. I mean, it's on my phone, Mm -hmm. but like I can see that they're already trying to find ways to like incorporate digital aspects into the classroom. So teachers would be great. I love it. Cool. Well, Juliet, thank you so much for being here. So appreciate your time. And frankly, like speaking for every moment in America, thank you for doing this. I think people need to be, I'm very scared of AI. And I was saying to my husband, when I was talking to him about you last night, I was like, we need more people who are like getting ahead of this and like want what's best for our kids and not to just be like, oops, we didn't know they would get on there and find these things. Oops, weird. They want to use the cool new technology. Yeah, I think I I totally agree. I think let's not repeat the same mistakes and let's just not like sit back and let it happen and then try and fix it. I feel like right now we have a small window to get ahead of it and to actually build this real healthy digital media tech future for this next gen. But it's a short window. So kind of like, yeah, hey, how did you do it? We got to get there. Um, but thank you so much for having me. Well, then I'll really give you back that. 20 minutes so you can go do it. <laughs> <laughs> Great, thank you, Juliet. No, thank you, Brittany. Bye. Bye. Loving the snooze button? Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And please leave a review. I will read it and internalize it. So make sure it's very glowing. If you're interested in working with me or learning more about my courses, head to brittanysheehan.com or follow me on Instagram at Sleep.